it's like he goes into a cocoon almost and mm. comes out a butterfly wow. you know? yeah. spiritually. I mean, there is this real transformation of, of who he is. Hey, hey, welcome to the Live Like It's True podcast, where we talk through some of the most outlandish stories in the Bible and what it would look like to live like those stories are true. I'm your host, Shannon Popkin, and my hope is that these conversations will inspire you to better know the story, share the story, and live the story. Do you know anyone who seems like the least likely person to ever turn and follow Jesus? You look at them and think, there is just no way. Or maybe it's you. Maybe you're the least likely person to ever follow Jesus. Well, today we're looking at a story from the Bible about a man who never, ever thought he would be a Jesus follower. And the people around him agreed. He was the least likely person to ever give his life to Jesus because he was obsessed with destroying the lives of Christians and wiping out the story of Jesus for good. And yet all of that changed over a three-day period in a house on Straight Street. Today, we have Anne Swindell returning for part two of our conversation. Last time, we talked about the true story on the road to Damascus. And if you missed part one, you're going to want to go back and listen. You don't have to necessarily do it before you jump into this one, but both are equally fabulous. And basically, what happened is our conversation was on the long side, and I didn't want to shave off anything. I wanted you to be able to enjoy the whole thing and make it to the end. So we've kind of cut the conversation into two pieces and I hope that you're going to love it just as much as I did. This episode is part of my summer standout series. So over the course of this summer, I'll be connecting with a handful of fellow Bible study authors who are releasing new studies or books. And so I'm going to let them choose the story from the Bible that we will be talking about. All of my guests are graciously giving away some of their new books. So make sure that you listen to the end to learn how you can win a copy of Anne's new book, The Path to Peace. Anne Swindell has been featured widely by the Gospel Coalition, Risen Motherhood, Encourage, Proverbs 31, and other publications. Anne lives here in West Michigan, right near me, uh, with her pastor, husband, and their children. You can learn more about Anne at anneswindell.com. Before we jump into that conversation, I wanted to mention again my 20-page Live Like It's True workbook. You can get this for free when you use the link in the show notes. So one of the things I'm hoping is that this workbook will help you develop an eye for seeing the stories of the Bible as more than just stories. As Western thinkers, we're far more accustomed to considering abstract ideas and listening to propositions and arguments. But the stories of the Bible communicate rich theological truths, and they do so in a way that is less abstract and easier to refer back to and remember. I think this is particularly true about the story we're about to look at. So let's jump into our conversation with Anne Swindell about the true story on Straight Street. I love talking about like unlikely stories, mm-hmm. like those things that when you hear the story, you're like, what? Not them, you know, <laughs> like somebody that you knew in high school who goes on to be a senator or somebody, you know, who has totally. some disability and they, they overcome and they do some amazing thing. Mm. Um, or just like those, those falling in love stories. Like for instance, did you ever read the Anne of Green Gables? Oh, Anne of Green Gables. I had to, I had a little moment with Anne though, because her name is spelled with an E. You know? I know. She talks 
about how Anne without an E is dull, plain, and boring. And that's my name is Anne without an E. And so I had many tears as a child <laughs> asking my mom why she didn't give me an E on my name. <laughs> I'll bet every E-less Anne in the world has so much felt pain. that way. So much yep. pain. So, so sad. <laughs> but in that series, Anne marries the least likely person. Oh my and goodness. Do you, should we give it away? Yep. So who does Anne marry? Gilbert. She Gilbert, Gilbert. Yes. her childhood, like enemy. They were just <laughs> complete enemies. I love that series. Um, yeah. I love it. And one of the things that we talk uh, about on live, like it's true is just how our God is a great storyteller. Mm. The whole book, the whole Bible is filled with these stories that make you go like, what? <laughs> it's just yeah. not what you would expect. Like Absolutely. didn't see that coming. Um, and it's almost like the way that God allows the story to unfold, we're thinking in one direction. And then when Jesus arrives, it's all sorts of surprises, one right after another. And so Acts is a continuation of all of these works of Jesus. And now we're going to see him work in this very unlikely character named Paul. I mean, he obviously had a conversion experience. He was headed one way. He was headed into the city to totally drag Christians away. And he became, he's going to become one of them, you know? So he, <laughs> right. So this is, this is a crossroads. Like he, he rises from the ground. It says, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So he's blind. And then it says in verse eight, so they led him by the hand and brought yeah. him into Damascus. And so we see Paul, he's, uh, he's being led by the hand. He arrives in Damascus and for three days he was without sight mm-hmm. and neither ate nor drink. And these three days are going to prove to be very pivotal and important in his life. What, what else do you see about these three days? It's a time of transformation for Paul um, because when, as we go through the story, when Paul's blindness finally leaves and he can see again, all he wants to do is be baptized and follow Jesus. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's like he goes into a cocoon almost and Mm. comes out a butterfly spiritually. I mean, there is this real transformation of, of who he is. And I think Paul had to say, wait a minute, if Jesus is alive, like you said, what does that mean? What now must I do? How must I live? Where do I need to repent? What has to change? And so that combined really with just the revelation of the Holy Spirit that that Jesus gave to him mm-hmm. through coming to an understanding of Jesus as the Messiah. He was a changed man. He was a new man coming mm-hmm. out of those three days. Oh, that is so good. So let's read about this butterfly experience. He's going to go, he's <laughs> in his cocoon. And then yeah. can you read verses 10 through 22? Sure. Yep. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. <laughs> and there's that all in, you know, he's just, oh, I love it. <laughs> he's going <laughs> to turn into one who's defending and proving that Jesus is the Christ. Yeah. So, but, okay. So let's back up though, to, um, Ananias, do you love that they were given a street name? And I love I that. Love I mean, there's an address involved here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sometimes I wish God would give me the address of where oh, we're supposed to go. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's so good. And so, so here is this disciple living in Damascus named Ananias, mm-hmm. not Ananias and Sapphira, right? A different right. Ananias. It's that some, Ananias is yes. Not Sometimes <laughs> I wonder, couldn't we just have unique names in the Bible? But anyway, okay. And, I know, well, and even at the house of Judas, I'm like, okay, yeah. Judas, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. So Ananias has a vision. And so, you you know, clearly there are some remarkable things happening here and Jesus Absolutely. is providing vision so that everybody's clear on what's, what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so he responds and he tells Ananias, go to this street, straight street, look for this house. And there's a man, Saul from Tarsus, and he's praying and Ananias has an objection. <laughs> what, <laughs> what is his objection? I feel so much for Ananias, mm. Shannon. I have so much compassion for this man. I mean, it would be like, you know, it'd be like the Lord telling a Jewish person in World War II to go talk to Hitler. It's exactly like I that. I mean, it's truly just almost unbelievable for Ananias to think, but Lord, I feel like you're setting me into a trap. Like if I go to him, I'm just going to be bound up and sent away, you know? Yeah. So, so the Lord is calling Ananias to something very difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a short part of the story, but I am so moved by Ananias's obedience mm-hmm. to, because I mean, not that he doesn't argue with the Lord. He says, uh, hang on, Lord, I've heard from a lot of people how much evil he's done. And he has authority to bind all of us up who call on your name. Mm-hmm. But the Lord's response is the same. Go, I've chosen this man to be my servant. And I do think this line is telling and maybe gave Ananias a little courage because the Lord said, he's a chosen instrument of mine for, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. He gives Ananias a little peek into Paul's life is not going to be all roses and butterflies. You know, Paul has a hard calling ahead of him, but this is the first step. And he's allowing Ananias to be a part of this because he says, okay, he's Saul's actually seen a vision of you come in and lay hands on him. So like, I have this all mapped out. You just need to go now. And ultimately Ananias does, which is a beautiful act of trust Mm -hmm. in the Lord to say, okay, I'll go stand before the man who has all the authority to bind me up and send me away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just love all of the just concrete, like this is airtight, like this plan, you know, yes. he's already seen yes. you, you, your name in a vision. Here's the street here. You're, you're uh-huh. the one he's looking for. And your job is to go put your hands on his eyes. Is that what it says? And um, lay yep. your hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And really the only thing left is obedience. Like, are Absolutely. you, are you going to obey mm. Ananias? And I mean, yes, it takes a lot of faith, 
but are, are you going to, are you going to step out in faith? And I love that example you gave, cause it's exactly like that. It's like, instead of hiding Jews, hiding in, in different houses, it's like, come out and find the guy looking for you. Like I'm a, what? yeah, I guess Gestapo, you know, like come and find them and just talk to them, pray for them. <laughs> exactly. Which is actually what we just saw Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane do step out and say, Hey, who are you looking for? I am he, we had a whole episode with Lindsay shot on that story. It was just amazing. And that's what Jesus is asking his followers to do just to step out in faith and obey and go where they're called to to go. And I also love, and the fact that Jesus uses another believer in the life of Mm. Paul, like Jesus, Jesus could have just done this, you know, in solitude, he could have, you know, blinded him, talked to him, gave him his purpose, gave him his sight back. But instead, he involves this man, Ananias. Do you find anything beautiful in that? I mean, I think it's just another pointing out of Jesus being the head of this body Mm. and that Paul is learning maybe for the first time to really understand um, this concept of church, you know, which is a relatively new concept, all things considered in the history of the world at this time. But Paul, you've been persecuting me by persecuting my people. And now you're going to be healed by me through one of my followers, Mm -hmm. through somebody else who's part of my body. And so it is a beautiful truth. And it's something that gives me a lot of hope as well to think that God loves to work through his people. Mm -hmm. And as much as we can wound each other and there's brokenness there, there's also so much goodness and beauty in the body of Christ coming around each other, praying for each other, showing up for each other, being obedient when we don't want to be because Jesus calls us to. And the fruit of that is life and abundance and peace. And so it just encourages me. Ananias in this brief story encourages me so much um, because obviously he had a whole life that is not in the scriptures, but he was a faithful man who Mm -hmm. obeyed the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the fruit of that resonated through all of history, through Mm -hmm. Paul's life. Yeah. Yep. He got to be the one to go put his hands on the eyes of this man who was temporarily blinded Mm -hmm. and the scales came off and immediately Paul wants to be baptized. Yes. (laughs) Which I just love that. You know, he's gone three days without eating or drinking. Um, He's been praying. I love that picture you gave us of him searching his mind you know, the scriptures Mm -hmm. that he had memorized coming to the conclusion that Jesus is alive, that he is the Messiah and that uh, he, Paul has this new, and I wonder if Ananias shared with him this new direction that, yeah, you're, you know, Jesus did tell me you're going to suffer and that you're going to go before Gentiles. Like this is all very new. You know, Paul would not have pictured himself, (laughs) you know, coming before Gentiles and Kings and, there's a lot we could talk about there, but we're, you know, our time is running, is <laughs> running, running short. We, yes. I feel like you and I could do three episodes just on this one story. <laughs> and, but I want to get to the part where the scales fall from his eyes. Mm. He rises, he's baptized, he takes food. And then what does he go out and do <laughs> immediately? It. it says in verse Love 20, this. what does yes. he get to work doing? He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of God. Paul is so convinced. I mean, immediately, right? He's had these three, he had this encounter with Jesus three days, and then it's a total transformation, which is why everyone in Damascus (laughs) is so confused. They're like, hang on, is this the same? Paul, you know, we have to remember they didn't have any way of like faces, I guess. They just heard tell of this man named Saul. What do they say? Made havoc in Jerusalem 
of those who called on his name. So his reputation precedes him. And yet this same man is now proclaiming that Jesus is the son of God. And it said, you know, verse 22, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews (laughs) who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was Mm -hmm. the Christ. Not just saying that is a strong word here, proving. And that's where some of the beauty of how God did bring you know, Saul up in the world is he had all this training. He had all the knowledge. He had all the knowledge of the Torah tucked away in his mind and studied for years and years that he could prove and say, here's this prophecy about the Messiah. Here's how Jesus fulfilled it. Mm -hmm. And so he's confounding people with his about face that only, only Jesus can do in a heart and a soul and a mind, you know? Yes. So he's, he's astonishing both sides. Right. Yeah. He's, he's astonishing <laughs> the Christians. They're like, wait, is it either? You know, we're afraid of him. But then he's not also, sure about this guy. Yeah, yeah. But he's also astonishing the Jews, the yep. ones who do not think that Jesus is the Messiah, the ones who are against. And uh, I love that that word. He's confounded the Jews. This is not a good sort of astonishment. It's like, what? Mm-mm. He has just switched sides. What in the world is going on here? Which I think just speaks to the power of our Jesus. Amen. Right. Amen. The power of our Jesus to transform lives, even of the most unlikely people, which is how we we started out our episode. Like this transformation, Paul is the least likely person to be arguing that Jesus is the son of God, but yet here he is days later. I mean, that word immediately in verse 20 yeah, I don't think months went by before he is in the synagogue oh, no. arguing. No, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, for some days he was with the disciples. This is days later. He yeah. was headed to Damascus with his papers in hand and his plan mm. intact. And he has had an about face and he is now headed to those same people saying I was wrong. Like the humility, the yeah. obedience and the beautiful transformation, this butterfly transformation. It is incredible. Um, and it, you're right, Shannon, only the Lord Jesus can do that in heart. He is the only one who is capable of taking us from darkness to light. And that's, you know, that beautiful image, which would have been scary for Saul, but of that light coming down from heaven, Saul was in darkness. He was in spiritual darkness. He thought he knew what was correct, but at one encounter with Jesus and some time to pray and reflect, and now he knows the truth and he's walking in the light and that light will be proven in his life over and over again, that he is walking in the light of Christ. He is walking in the truth by the miracles that the Lord does in and through and around him to prove not Saul's greatness, but the greatness of the gospel he's proclaiming, the greatness of Jesus, who is himself the light of the world. I love every single one of those things that you just said, (laughs) maybe living like it's true. Then it's taking that next step of obedience. Like we saw Paul do, and we saw Ananias do come what may, you know, I I see another um, false narrative that I wondered if you saw too, you know, often when I think of people coming to Jesus, I think usually I I either think, well, they need to be convinced, like they need more information. You know, they need like to read um, the case for Christ by Lee Strobel, or they need some, you know, they need information or they need just a longer period of time. Like it's just going to take a while where God will Mm -hmm. convict them little by little, you know, chip away, but neither of those things happen in the story. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Right. Not at all. You know, Paul 
already has all the information. Like he knows the Bible way better than you and me, probably, you know? Oh, absolutely. Old Testament. He would have been a rock star scholar for sure. Yeah. Had it like memorized, right? Yep. Had I certainly do not have the Old Testament memorized. <laughs> we haven't memorized numbers yet. Come on. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> but I mean, he, he had all of the information Yeah, and he, and this, like we've said, this whole thing, it happens over days, not yeah. weeks, That's not a months. Short period of time. Yes. And yet it's possible. Like, do you see, do you see that just correcting any false narratives that we might have playing Absolutely. out in our minds? You know, I think um, one of the things that I've heard, and I, I don't doubt its veracity though, is that it takes like for the average American, it takes, you know, seven times to hear the gospel before they would actually respond to it. So, you know, the call then and the encouragement, which I think is a good one is like, keep preaching the gospel, keep sharing yeah. the gospel, mm-hmm. keep inviting your friend to church. So good. But the truth is that Jesus sometimes saves people, you know, over a slow amount of time in many years. And sometimes it is a radical transformation. And we, my husband is, um, his story is one of radical transformation. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was a teenager. He grew up in the church in the South, but like never actually heard the gospel. And when he heard the gospel for the first time, Shannon, he got saved and he was radically transformed. I mean, he went from like, totally not walking with Jesus to being the one who was sharing the gospel in his high school and going out and preaching the gospel at the mall on the weekends Praise for God. his idea of fun, you know, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. And his, the fruit in his life has proven out like he's a godly man, you know, for decades now he has walked with the Lord. And I just think it's his story, meeting him, getting to know him over the course of decades. And then also having some friends and family who like, it did take them such a long time yeah. to, mm-hmm. to come to Christ. It's not we don't get to choose and we don't get to judge because I think sometimes we think, oh, well, if someone comes to Jesus really quickly, it's not real. You know, like it's not real. Right. Or if, or if someone's taking forever, like they're never going to come to the Lord. <laughs> the truth is we sow the seed. God is the one who makes the growth and he might have a really strong tree pop up overnight and miraculously bring those roots down so deep, mm-hmm. you know, like, or it might take years to grow a little little plant and that's okay too. <laughs> but I Absolutely. think you're right is that we sometimes have this idea of what we think coming to the Lord should look like or will look like and God just breaks all those boxes. Right. Should look like would look like or who it's accessible to, like who's an option, who should we witness yeah. to or who you know who will respond to this gospel message? Like we just don't know. So how do we then live like the story is true? Mm, I think we live with a heart that is open to obeying Jesus in every circumstance, like you said, and knowing walking in faith, you know, like you said, and I love how you said it was an airtight thing. God came to Ananias and said, Saul's already had this vision about you going. So now you go and do it. Our lives are perfectly seen and known and carried by the Lord, Mm. but we do have the choice of whether or not to obey. And so we live like the gospel is true. We live like Jesus is the savior of the world. We live like the gospel that Paul proclaimed is true by obeying, by taking the next step. And, and oftentimes that will mean sharing the gospel with Mm -hmm. people in our lives. Maybe not a full 10 minute gospel presentation. Maybe it will sometimes, you know? Um, And so we obey the next step. Is that to reach out to a friend? Is that to um, get back in a church community? If we haven't been, is that to read our Bibles consistently and to trust that God's changing us, even if we don't feel like we're being transformed very quickly. Yeah. Um, obedience to him is always worth it and it will always bear good fruit. Mm, so good. So I wonder if we have a listener who kind of identifies with Paul before mm. this, uh, road to Damascus experience and like, just thinks I, I could never, I could never become a Christian. Well, mm. that's just not true. You know? 
That's just not true. You could. Um, there's, there's, if, if Paul could uh, have, have this experience and days later be preaching that Jesus was the son of God. Well, yes. you, you can too. And then I think, you know, as um, we put ourselves in Ananias's shoes and ask like, okay, if God is asking me, I mean, maybe he won't give me an address, <laughs> but <laughs> on a straight street, <laughs> right. And maybe there will not be someone who's had a vision of me, but maybe there's someone that, that the spirit of God is compelling. God does use us in each other's lives, Amen. right? Amen. When we hear somebody tell their story of coming to Jesus, usually there are other people in the story, Absolutely. right? Yep. So maybe, maybe we're an Ananias to somebody else. Maybe God is going to use us probably not to relieve them of blindness, but to help them have their spiritual eyes opened. Absolutely. So who is it? Like, how can we live? Like it's true that Jesus does transform lives mm. and how can we live okay. that way today and tomorrow? Like, I think that's the question. And really ultimately we're answering this call of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Who do we believe he is and what yes. do we believe that he has called us to Amen. do? So good. Wow. Wasn't that a great conversation? I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope you'll take some time in Acts chapter nine to look at this story again, grab your live like it's true workbook and work through this story asking, okay, what are the false narratives of the world that this story refutes? I hope you'll also take a look at anneswindell.com and her brand new book, path to peace. Paul is just one of the Bible characters that Anne looks at in this book as she invites you to find this path to peace. There are two ways that you can enter to win any of the Bible studies or books that I'm giving away this summer. Number one, if you haven't yet, sign up for my Live Like It's True workbook and you'll be entered for a chance to win. And the second way is to find one of my posts pointing to this episode on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and either tag a friend or share. Thanks so much to my producer, Maria Lyons, and thanks to Cade Popkin for providing all of the music that you hear on the show. And most of all, thanks to you for tuning in today. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love for you to leave a rating and review, which helps others to be able to find it. Thanks again for being with me. And now it's time to go live like it's true.